1: Hi, and welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Amy Middleton here, and thanks for joining us for Women on the Line. This episode is the first in a Women on the Line mini series in which I'll chat to a number of women about how their attitudes to sex and sexuality have been impacted by their culture. This week, we have Linda Kirkman in the studio. Linda is a sexuality and relationships educator and researcher at La Trobe University in Bendigo who runs workshops around talking to kids about sexuality, among other topics. I'm going to chat to Linda about how sex plays out in an Australian context. We'll talk about kids, grown-ups and diverse communities and look at how much the media, education and these days social media impact our views on sex and sexuality. Thanks for joining us. Amy Middleton here, and I'm with Linda Kirkman. Uh, Linda is a sexuality and relationships educator and researcher teaching health science and education at La Trobe University in Bendigo. Thanks for coming on, Women on the Line, Linda. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Amy. You're welcome. Now, uh, we have a very broad topic to talk about today, um, and that is the role of sex, particularly for women um, in Western culture, and particularly Australian attitudes to sex and sexuality. Um, and the reason I got um, you in, Linda, is because you spoke uh, at a university recently on this topic, didn't you?
0: I spoke at Melbourne Uni and Monash Uni as part of Rad, Se- Rad Sex and Consent Week. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my my presentation. There was specifically on sex and sexuality in an Australian context for international students. That's yeah. That's even more fascinating. So, so I know, and I know we're not talking about the international students, but I wanted to today. But I wanted to, um, I, I pitched that particular talk because I wanted to um, uh, maybe just raise some awareness about how things are different for. From some cultures coming to Australia, and to make a safe space to talk about some of those issues.
1: and it is a really interesting one.
0: I think it's um
1: it's a really difficult thing taking yourself out of your cultural lens, impossible really,
0: um and reflecting back on it but it's a valuable thing to do, wouldn't you agree? certainly and i and I, I think that uh, when people go from one culture to another and immerse themselves in the new culture, they change, and so that when they go back they're they're it's they have trouble fitting in when they go back again so they're never they're not quite one or the other quite often and there's there's a lot of literature on that right and that would be very confusing that whole identity
1: yeah definitely well um, let's Let's just uh, try and suspend our cultural lens for a little while Um, and Linda you can probably help us do this. I think it's important to take a little bit of a a semi-objective look at how our attitudes to sex are impacted by our culture and our society. So let's kick it off by talking about the role of sex in our culture and particularly how it might differ from other cultures around the world.
0: Well I'll focus on on what I'm what what I see as Australian culture and it's Certainly, I'm not a cultural theorist, and it's not necessarily... Sex is my specialty, but and sex education. I, th- I think there's 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 sex in culture, culture as seen in as mainstream media and mainstream popular depiction of sex mm. and sexuality, which is very heteronormative. Which I, but I don't think that actually that reflects what's really going on in people's lives. I think people. So, the role of sex is for. Is for pleasure and relationships and intimacy and and having a good time and sometimes making babies, but that's actually a pretty minor aspect of the role of sex. Um, but because the way it's depicted in in, in the mainstream it, as as mononormative and heteronormative, and yet a lot of people aren't living those kind of sexual lives, I think there's a, there's a bit of Uh, confusion or dissonance with some people about what they do and what what they have to be seen to be doing
1: Mm, and I think that probably has a a lot to answer for in terms of our attitudes to sex because there does seem to be a lot of um, shame around sexuality
0: and sexual desire in western culture would you agree with that? A lot of my fellow sex educators have whole workshops where they address the issue of shame, so, and, there's a, and there's a market for that. So clearly that's, that's a big thing. So yes, in answer to that question. But it's, it's also about, um, I think, the role of roles and expect, social expectations about behaviour mm. is, is, is a big factor in influencing how people feel about sex and what they're expected to do. So let's talk a little bit about mononormativity, um, which um, oh, yeah. is a term that some of our listeners <laughs> might not be familiar with. Thank you for bringing me up. i pulling up on using jargon. Yeah. Uh, when I say mononormativity, what I mean is that you're expected to have one partner mm. at a time and that you will be faithful to that one partner. The alternative to the mononormative thing, which is consensual non-monogamy, where people might be in a relationship and um, have other people in their relationship, whether it's in an all lots of different potential configurations, huge numbers of different potential configurations. But the idea is that it's negotiated and talked about, and and people are, and there's consideration and honesty and and generally a much more healthy approach to safer sex.
1: All right, going back to a few of the things that characterize Western takes on sex. Um, you mentioned that reproduction is only a small part of it. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, do you have much knowledge of how that differs from other cultures around
0: the world? Uh, well, the I think f- around the world, the expectation of sex, certainly sex education, it's all about the reproduction and it's about the pathology. It's about how to make a baby, how not to get an infection at, at the same time. Um, the culture around teaching sex for pleasure is is pretty limited in in most places, as far as I'm aware. The repro- how we, I mean, because pe- when people talk about sex, they're often talking about, in a safe way, it's about making babies. Mm. But because it's used everywhere, it's, it's 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 a it's a marketing tool, and it's and it's a. Uh, uh, it's an employment influence. So like, people will employ somebody who who seems to be sexually desirable. So, they, so if you've got people who are equally competent at doing a job, the person who has appeared, appears more attractive in whatever con- cultural context is more likely to get employed, even though that's not relevant to the work.
1: And in that way, it, it would seem that sex permeates
0: a whole host of facets of our society, not just sex. Yeah, yeah. sex and sexuality. Which kind of leads me to think about sexuality and small. I think about sexuality and relationship education and 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 small children. We, it's it's almost it's thought that that it's because because when people think sex, they think um, some kind of penetrative or in genital behaviour, but but I, which isn't obviously what what you're expecting of the newsreader necessarily, even though they're expected to have a women particularly certain have a particular appearance. But I, I'm of the view that it's really important that we start with when, with kids this is a totally different segue, Amy. You mightn't want so with small children and babies. You want them to be comfortable with their bodies. You want them to be touched in a way that's tender and affectionate. I'm not talking about sexual touch of babies, but certainly just the the fact that we're so tactile and we need that that massage and contact. And then with language, you you, you use a correct names for body parts so people can can communicate. And you teach kids about um about about communication skills. And making friends and, how to, and and empathy for other people 's feelings, and being able to say no i don 't want to do that so and learning about the idea of asking negotiation and consent which which are all really important life skills that are useful when one comes to adult sexual relationships, but often we, we perhaps I think one of the one of the issues with with healthy Relationships and sexual sexuality and sexual communication is that it's it's got this really narrow vista. People think if you're talking sex, you will. There's this kind of linear model, that of of behaviour. I could that's a, and that's and that's kind of it. But you, but you don't within that. You, you, there's people haven't necessarily had the skills, or the or the the autonomy or the confidence to be able to say I want to do this. I'm not doing that. Don't touch me there. Mm. Um, so this is an education issue. Well, and it's it's an education issue, but it's also about self knowledge and self assertiveness. So, if you might know that you hate, you actually don't want to do that thing. So, for example, there is an expectation in with uh, of oral sex as a as a sexual behaviour. If somebody doesn't like that or doesn't want to do it, it's almost as though well that they don't get the choice really. It's mm. it's, it's expected. It's a social norm. So it's you just go along norm. with it. And and in my my view of the perfect relationship world people people are able to say i really like doing this thing i'm not so i'm a bit squicked out by that one why don't we why don't we just do this other thing which is really fun and cool instead yeah. and having having that being at but being able to talk about it and negotiate it but the trouble is that it's much easier to actually get physical with another person than it is to talk about what you might do getting physical with another person because the talking is really embarrassing why do we find it so hard um, and I think that's a cultural thing. It's and again going back to how we how we handle small children, if if you've got or if if you're uncomfortable around nudity or talking about um relationships or body parts or if a kid asks a question about somebody being looking different or being pregnant or how does the baby come from and people freak out and react mm. in a particular it's reacting in an awkward and uncomfortable way. Then the kids kids learn that that's taboo. So th- those conv- people never get comfortable having those kind of conversations, even if it's just on more general things, not you know, it, not specifically about about their own intimate relationships. So
1: true, and it is some, uh, it's a hard thing to get over, really, isn't it? When you're uh, even if you make a commitment to speak to children with anatomical correctness, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe we need some sort of education around um, how to get over their own, <laughs> how, to, how parents can get over their own awkwardness and squeamishness. Yeah,
0: and there are workshops available on on talking to kids about sex, and there are people. There's some fantastic research on that. That's one of the things that I do as my small business as a sex educator. I run workshops for adults on talking to kids about sex and sexuality, and part of that fantastic. is exploring. What 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 was your what were your early experiences like, and what were your what did your parents do that they did well, or what did they do that they did badly, and how might you want to be different, and just starting to have those conversations, and just getting people comfortable with talking. People love doing the workshops. They just they, they it's fascinating stories that people explore where what happened to them, and 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 are able to take. There's usually some kind of value that they got from what their parents did do, and. And, and, it's, and it's almost like giving people permission to do things differently mm. and, ha, and explore what works for them in their own cultural and family context, how to go about it differently for the sake of for the well being of, of the kids. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh,
1: that was. Women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you've just joined us, welcome to Women on the Line and I'm speaking with Linda Kirkman, uh, a sexuality educator and lecturer at La Trobe University in Bendigo about uh, women, sexuality and how our cultural context can impact our attitudes. And can you give us some examples of some
0: valuable things and some not so valuable things that we might have learned from our parents? Simply giving your child a book and say, go and read this Ask me if you've got questions. A book about about like puberty, that's not valuable. I mean, having books to read is helpful, but but the idea that you take this book away and read it in private, and 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 maybe you might ask, have a very awkward parent who's expecting you to ask questions and clearly doesn't want you to because they're awkward. <laughs> so that's that's a way of not doing it, um, and yet such a familiar story. Such a familiar story and but don't go to the other extreme either or and have um uh bring in numbers of partners and 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 allow your child to to be really fully full on exposed to adult sexual behavior at a young age because that's that's not comfortable for or appropriate for kids either so i've had people talk about both those kind of experiences in my workshops and what recommendations do you make where's the happy medium well the happy medium is is so much of it boils down to attitude. It's about being comfortable with yourself to start with, and then and then when you're talking about um, the people you know and the relationships and body stuff, and just and and it, creating a safe space for kids to be comfortable to ask questions and learning and learning how to um, come up with some strategies because there will be times where you don't want to talk about it where it's inappropriate. So being able to be comfortable to say, "Look, that's a really good question." I am actually don't want to answer, can I talk to you about, this is not a, a right time for whatever reason, mm. can we talk about it later? And they're making sure that later happens, and in a way that's comfortable.
1: The idea that education sets us up for um, cultural norms or mainstream ideas or attitudes about sex is an interesting one, given that
0: our sex education in this country is arguably pretty narrow. There's some awesome stuff that happens, and certainly here in Victoria where we are, the the, the policy in the Education Department State stuff is great. Mm. Um, it's just how it's practised individually in schools, which depends on whether there's a champion in the school who wants to teach it and whether the the principal and the admin staff or you know the leadership staff are OK with it. So does the sex education model that's handed out to schools is actually up to standard? It's, yeah, it's really age-appropriate and it's really diversity, gender and sexuality diversity, inclusive, and um, there's there's some fantastic resource materials available. So there's um, Catching On Early, which is a resource for primary school teachers, and um, Catching On, which is a... And Catching Online, I think. And they're all available. If you just Google those terms, I'm sure you'd come up with them. And it ex, ex, it's not... It, it explores negotiation and consent and and attitudes as well as all... I mean, you expect to get some of the safety stuff and some of the practical things... But a lot of it is about the relationship and attitude and thinking and being able to think about um, the diverse ways that that, that that people need to be able to express themselves and communicate.
1: Mm. And consent is an interesting one. I mean, I don't remember hearing that word at all when I was at school. Um, I don't think I knew what it meant until I was an adult, um, certainly not in terms of sex education. Do you think that's changing now?
0: I think... I think I think you find that well, there's, there's a real gender divide around expectations of consent. And there's um, uh, and there's still gendered norms about not wanting to hurt the other person, like women particularly, not wanting to hurt the other person's feelings. So they might go along with something even though they don't really want to because, because they're concerned if they say no that the other person might be upset or if they change their mind. Um,
1: I'd like to talk a bit more about this—the uh, idea of gender and how that plays out in sexuality
0: in an Australian context. Because I think it's a fraught one. Well, it frustrates me as a—I mean, I'm in my fifties and I'm, and, and I'm a very proud feminist, and for me, that—that um, that means part of what that means is that 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 um, body autonomy and, and 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 mutual respect for who, who, whoever you are, but. But and 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 equality and equity. But what I'm, it makes me really sad that the, the the gendered culture is still really strong. The, the whole slut stud divide is still out there, and I really wish it wasn't. And so part of that, like just I teach first year students and I, um, uni students and was, asking them recently about about attitudes. What's what's just informally having conversations, mm. and there's the. There's still the you know the young man has a number of partners that's pretty cool. The young woman has a number of partners, that's not okay. So there's still that sort of that that's still part of the part of the the culture. Seems to be a global one. That does seem to yeah. That one's not going to go away in a hurry. I think it will. I, I'm hope, I'm very optimistic. I hope it will. You are aren't you? <laughs> and I think the and the, and it depends on who you hang out with too. Absolutely. It's about finding. It's about if 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 the people who you hang out with, shame you for your behaviour, well, then clearly you need to find new friends. Mm.
1: Look, I think there are some pockets of Australia that are um, a lot more conservative than others and probably the concept of slut-shaming, as we call it, which is um, making somebody feel bad for their essentially their sexual desires. Mm. Thank you for
0: putting me up on another jargon. <laughs> yeah. More jargon. I'm the dictionary <laughs> over here.
1: Um, feel free to argue with my definitions, by the way. No, no I like that one. Um, I'd say that permeates some pockets of the country more than others. How can we navigate that? I mean,
0: where, what to do in that situation? I think I began with the popular culture and popular media. I think mm. that's still really influential, and until we get, until we, we change the the mix of the people in charge of that. But there's there's an amazing sex positive culture in Melbourne, and and a really wide community of people who are meeting in all kinds of different ways. It's the socially informal there's families, there's there's the a very strong polyamory organization and culture. There's there are some fantastic sexuality educators who are who are running all different kinds of workshops for people that are exploring things outside of that that kind of mainstream conservative approach and and teaching the negotiation and teaching consent and teaching safe sex and teaching how awesomeness generally and then and having functions and events where where people can go and 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 feel comfortable to explore their own sexuality and desire and what their idea of fun is in a in a different kind of way so i think that's so and that's that's changing the culture mm. through through really practical ways um, so we've talked a lot about the role of media
1: in Australia and how that really in, seems to influence our ideas of sex. Oh, thank you for having this
0: radio station, the radio program.
1: Oh, yeah, it's good, <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> you're, you're doing
0: something. You're making headlines here, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I wonder if that's a global thing or particularly a Western thing that the media is so influential in how we view sex and sexuality.
0: It has a big influence. Mm. But having said that, I was... I was talking about the role of like popular culture and sitcoms i don't watch that stuff i know a bit about it because i talk to people who 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 watch it and are interested in how it re- represents sexual and relationship diversity but social media is mm. is is fascinating because you, it's allowing for so many different kinds of attitudes and movements and you can find a tribe that's a virtual tribe if not in not a necessarily in real life tribe so if, which, which, um, I've, I mean, Twitter has transformed my life. I've found some amazing tribes on Twitter, including initially a PhD tribe, uh, an academic one. But there, uh, to be able to feel feel that that weight of others who are like you or who think similarly or who are prepared to have discussions. And, and not fight on their own against whatever it might be, that the, a pervasive attitude or negativity. Um, and to get to rally people for for an issue, I think that that's also has a role in mm. social change. I don't know. I, I can't quantify it, but it's got to be. It's got to have an impact.
1: And while we're on the internet, how about the porn question? Ah, yeah. A big yeah. one for Western culture and a
0: big one for Australia. I think that um, we should have really good quality sex education for kids in schools and they shouldn't have to use free porn as a way of learning about sex and sexuality um, a lot of the stuff that's that's out there and free isn't isn't good quality and isn't particularly respectful although also a lot of what's out there free is the gonzo stuff which is just homemade things and it's probably just pretty ordinary it's not it's not necessarily disrespectful but there's i'm a, I'm a great supporter of ethical pornography and and i'm i know some some people who make ethical porn and who who uh, who do it because they love it and they treat themselves well and they treat their the uh the cast well and you know pay people for what they do and make sure they've got a meal and a ticket to the to the to the well you know where to get home and that that sort of thing but you've got to pay for that mm so, there's. I mean, it, it's almost like it's socially acceptable to go porn, you know, hand on forehead. Oh, how it, it is terrible and awful! But in fact, it's people use all kinds of tools for their sexual pleasure and arousal. And long before we had video, people there were paintings on walls, or or people wrote the most amazing books, and so it's 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 always part of culture. Mm.
1: Um, it has had a widespread. Effect though, and would you do? You, can you comment much on the negatives and the positives of that?
0: I think it's it's used often. Porn is used as a evidence for for it to support a sex negative society.
1: There are some positives to the, how much porn has permeated culture, in that it gets discussion going in youth circles about sex and sexual desire. It may not be the right discussion but do you argue that it's opened up a discussion that might not yeah. have been there
0: previously? Yep, yeah, that sounds that's a really good point. And and being able to talk about it is important because because we know we know that if we watch an action film with a car race and huge crashes that people walk away from, that's that's not reality and mm. I think People watch similar kinds of intensity in porn and realize that 's well most a lot realize that 's not reality as well okay so you 're trusting yeah. people 's um, no i 'm not because there are still people who'll watch too fast and furious and go and drive their car and smash into course. something. but <laughs> <laughs> but there is the opportunity to suspend disbelief yeah and and see so, hang on this doesn 't reflect the reality but because but we see people driving all the time. We mm. actually don't see people having sex all the time and that's the distinction. So, so it's, it's sex, a it... mystery. And if you don't know what people do, then we've yeah. seen because that's we had a so with oral sex, for example, the the um, the rise in expectation that oral sex is part of a sexual repertoire, regular behaviour. I think has been yeah is influenced by by the expectation. That's what people see in porn.
1: Is there research
0: to suggest that there's an increase in expectation of oral sex, or is that based on our fair discussion? I'd be looking at for the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society's research on that, particularly with school, um, the secondary students. Okay. And the Sex in Australia study last year. Uh, so I think eleven years. There was one, the Sex in Australia 2 had just come out and Sex in Australia 1 was like 11 years ago. Okay. So looking at the change, what the kind of behaviours that people and attitudes.
1: Can you talk through a few more of those before we go? Is that too hard, too hard
0: basket? Um, um, oh. It's it's interesting that people seem to be, having what I was saying about the, the diversity in relationships, the expectations about monogamy seemed to be becoming more conservative not less is what this the um but what was interesting in the in the research around that was that they consistently and it might even have been 2 or 3% of people who said no we are not monogamous and we have talked about it and that's okay in our relationship and when you think about that as a por- proportion of the population it's a quite a huge number of people who aren't practicing conventional monogamous relationships mm. so i think that's really interesting mm. and that's where you need Uh, Research like my like my PhD, which looked at friends with benefits relationships. Any qualitative research where to ask people, "What is it you're doing, and why are you doing it, and how?" Rather than just the the quantitative yes or no answers, which doesn't give you the nuance. Okay. And what did you find through your PhD? My PhD looked at rural baby boomers in friends with benefits relationships, and I interviewed 22 people, 15 women and seven men. And what I found was that people are of those, okay, small sample, obviously, that's qualitative research, a third of them were quite happily monogamous, heteromonogamous, oh, and some same-sex monogamous. But others were having relationships with all kinds of different configurations, so whether it might be some used, used the term polyamory and had more than one partner. Others didn't use the term poly, but I would describe what they were doing as poly. as negotiated in numbers of other regular partners or people who were just having um, numbers of um, partners who didn't know about each other. So quite a range. Mm. Great Having the best sex of their lives, which is always encouraging. That is. (laughs) It's a good note to end on (laughs) as well. Yes. All right. Thank
1: you so much for being on Women on the Line, Linda. Thank you very much for having me, Amy. Thanks so much to Linda Kirkman for joining us. And if you want to know more about Linda's work, you can go to lindakirkman.org, that's L-I-N-D-A-K-I-R-K-M-A-N.org to read about her sexuality workshops and her approach to education. I'm Amy Middleton, and thanks so much for joining us for Women on the Line. Women on the Line is Community Radio's national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast. I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.